Green Lee is growing. Coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. And welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we are going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor today, children's author, Anthony DeStefano. He is the author of the children's book, Green Lee is Growing. Let me tell you, this book is a wonderful addition to your children's library. It has scrumptious illustrations, lovely rhyming words, and lots of interest that is going to keep your young one just going through the pages, looking for new things to point out, to learn, to grow. And there's also a wonderful message about Greenlee is Growing that I can't wait to share with you in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash right stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, subscribe to our YouTube channel at PJC Media as well as pjcmedia.net. Click that pink follow button or that subscribe button and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. Thank you so much for your support of my newest release, A Chance for Zhao Xin. It's part of the Last Chance Bride series that was created by Christine Sterling. My book is book number 23, and your response has been absolutely phenomenal. It's available exclusively on Amazon, so go ahead and get your copy today. And so without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest co-host today, Anthony DeStefano. Anthony, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, Parker. Love your show. And thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be here with me today. I never, ever take it lightly. And with this book, we have an opportunity to really impact some wonderful knowledge onto our children in Greenlee is Growing. I can't wait to tell our listeners about it. But before I do that, I always ask, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I come from Brooklyn, New York, and I always wanted to be a writer. Before that, actually, I always wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to be a writer. Those are the two conflicting desires that I had from the time I was a little boy. And I think I would have been a doctor, too, had not a couple of little things gotten in the way, like organic chemistry and uh, integral calculus and girls. And that's when I started thinking about becoming a writer again. I wasn't very committed to my faith at all for many, many years, especially in my 20s. But then I started reading some C.S. Lewis, who I'm sure many of your listeners know. And uh, I read a book called The Screwtape Letters. And it was the first time that I saw, you know, a Christian book that was written very, very cleverly and funny. And, and I thought to myself, if I became a writer like that, a writer who could help people, then maybe I'd be accomplishing the goal that I had in wanting to be a doctor. Maybe I wouldn't be healing people by performing surgery on them, but maybe I could heal them in some small way with my writing, with my words. So I think God led me to, he put that desire in me to be a doctor uh, and a writer because they're really essentially with the same reason. He wanted me to be a healer of some kind. And it took me several years after that to actually become a published writer. I'm, I had hundreds of rejections uh, for my, my books and things like that. But eventually I broke through 
And in the last 20 years, I've had close to 30 books published for adults and for children. And I think this is something like my 16th or 17th children's book that I've written. And I've been very, very blessed that the publisher for this particular book is Penguin Random House. So it's got tremendous distribution. And so the message that I have for your uh, your listeners is uh, keep at it. Keep at it. If you want to be an artist of any kind, a writer or a painter, don't give up your day job for sure, because it's hard work to bust in. But definitely keep at it. Persistence, slow and steady wins the race. One of the things that you said about being a doctor reminded me of a meme I saw of a dedication page of someone who had become an author. And the person in the dedication said to my mom, I'm so much better a writer than I would have been a doctor. She, they said, people would have died. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some people may die of boredom reading some of my books. I don't know. I'm not 100% positive that I've avoided that fate completely. but. (laughs) But I thought that was interesting that you would say that because there is healing in words, just as there's healing in the healing touch that doctors give to their patients. And in Greeley is growing. There is a healing factor to that as we follow Greeley's life from a child to an old woman. And it's done in such a beautiful, artistic way. And the rhyming is gorgeous. And I always said I would never, ever be a children's author because that is extremely difficult. I'd rather write about taxes. And I hate taxes, okay? I have to do taxes eventually sometime before the deadline. And I always put them off for as long as possible because I hate doing taxes. But I think right up there with taxes, being a children's author and knowing how to reach children, only a few have, I think so. So, yeah, I loved this. You know, you say so many perceptive things because that's actually counterintuitive. Most people think, most writers out there think that it's much easier to write for children. And so you've got, it's actually harder to get children's books published because there are so many more submissions. So many people think that it's because you're writing for kids and the language is simpler and the, the books are shorter that it's easier. And so they do it a lot more. There are a lot more people out there writing children's books and submitting them. And so it's harder to actually break through into the children's book world than it is to, say, write a nonfiction book about taxes. It'd be easier to write a published book about taxes than it would be to write a children's book. But what you're saying is very, very true. It is more difficult to come up, for me anyway, the, the writing itself is more joyful, I think, but the coming up with an idea that can resonate with children and at the same time have deeper levels of meaning in it for the adults who are reading the books to the children, that I think is harder to do. And so I compliment you again for having that insight, which a lot of people don't have. They just think writing for children is easy. I don't think it is, actually. I think it's very difficult. I always think, too, that if I were to write a children's book, it would probably be dark (laughs) because I grew up with horror with my grandmother. And so when I think of children's book, I think of what things have scared me over the years. <laughs> so yeah, I'd probably better be in a romance novelist. In our pre-conversation, you were talking about fairy tales and, and sometimes fairy tales are very, very dark. And people have criticized fairy tales over the year because, you know, there are dragons in those fairy tales. And some people have said, well, why do you want to scare a child by showing them a dragon? And the whole point of fairy tales is not to show 
children that dragons exist, they know dragons exist because their imagination is so incredible that, you know, a dark room is enough to make them think of a thousand dragons. What the point of a fairy tale is to show children that they're able to slay a dragon, that they are able to kill the dragons in their life by being virtuous and through other means. So I believe that like those old Disney, classic Disney cartoons, it's okay to have a little darkness in a children's book as long as you show the children that what wins in the end is good. That's a concept that I think is important to impart in children. I also think the balance with children's books is knowing that children are extremely perceptive, even though they're not fully developed to understand the rigors of the world, too. And that's something you do very well in Greenlee is Growing. And for our listeners out there, Greenlee is Growing is available for you for purchase wherever books are sold. And you incorporate the seasons as well as Greenlee growing together. And when our parents get a chance to look at this book, you're going to be blown away by the very scrumptious details of the illustrations, as well as the opportunities to really discuss the book with your children. Because I don't believe that reading to children should be the only thing you do. You do want to invigorate their minds, invigorate their thought processes, and help them understand certain things of the world. And what better way to do it than through the seasons? And so we begin the first part of Greenlee is growing in the first season, which is spring. But before I do that, I would love to get the genesis of this story and how it all came to be. Well, you know, I do have a goddaughter whose name is Greenlee, and that's a rather uncommon name. And I always wanted to write a book for her because she's precious to me. I love her very much. But I was waiting for an idea that would go with her name because it is an uncommon name. But the name Greenlee sort of reminds a person of the word evergreen, I think. And so I had this idea of writing a book that showed a child become an adult and even an old person. I wanted to show the whole scope of a person's life from beginning towards the end of the life. And I thought that, I, that what you just said is very true. Since children know all about the seasons, summer, winter, spring, fall, I thought it would be good to write a book about the seasons and show how they correspond to the seasons of a person's life. And so in this book, we take her from the time she's three and a half in the springtime of her childhood, right through the, the summer of her youth and the autumn of her adulthood. And by the end of the book, she's an elderly gray-haired lady knitting by the fire in the winter of her life. And I wanted to write a book like this to show that mainly to show children that they shouldn't be afraid of change because children and adults are afraid of change, any kind of change. I wanted to show that there's the possibility of profound joy in every season of our life. Even in the winter of our lives, there's always the hope for a new springtime. And of course, you know, we Christians call that new springtime heaven. And most of all, I've always wanted to write a book about perspective, Parker. You know, perspective. There's so many adults and children today, they're so concerned about me, 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 and, and instant gratification and instant pleasures. Everything is about what I want and what I want in this moment. And if I don't get what I want, then watch out. But that's the recipe for a, a very unhappy life. You have to think about the big picture because many times we don't get what we want in the present moment. What we get in the present moment is pain and suffering. So to, to show the big picture of life, that's something I've always wanted to do in a children's book. And uh, to make one little diversion, the, the old monks in the Middle Ages, they had a 
quote in Latin that I like a lot, quid ac ad eternitatem. It means what is this in light of eternity? What is this little problem I'm having now in light of my whole life, in light of the big picture, all the you know suffering and death and heaven and hell and all of that? Having a future, a vision of the end of things, of the future, is what helps us to be able to deal more with the irritating and painful things that we encounter on a daily basis. And it helps us not to live in anxiety and overwhelm. And so because I wanted to impart this children to adults, I wanted to impart this, this message both to children and adults. I was waiting for years to come up with this idea, and my goddaughter's name, Greenlee, is what actually inspired it because I thought it would be a good alliteration to have Greenlee is growing, and that I'd be able to write about all of this under this one title. That's a long way of answering your question. Sorry. It's a very in-depth answer, and I think it's important as we talk about Greenlee is growing, we're going to gear it towards the parents because we want the parents to understand the deeper meanings of the story, which is why I always love to find out what made you write this particular book. And in this case, Greenlee also has the mental connotation of growing things. Even though growing is the next word in the title, Greenlee itself, when you hear it, you think of growing things. You think of spring, you think of leaves, trees, new beginnings, springtime, all those things come together. And so in the beginning of the book, we have Greenlee, who is just charmingly drawn by, her name is Louise Ellis. So we want to give Louise Ellis a shout out, because if you want her to probably do your book, we'll go ahead and contact her online. But we start off with Greenlee in a field. And I'm just going to read the first part of this. It says, springtime is here. Springtime is here. Snowstorms are gone and flowers appear. Bluebirds are singing. Church bells are ringing. Roses are blooming. Upward, they're zooming. And that's just the beginning of this lovely, rhythmical story of Greenlee. And when you look at the picture, she's surrounded by flowers. And they're pink, yellow, green. There's lots of points of interest in this story to really hone in about springtime. Now, and let's, let me ask you this question now, Anthony. Which season is your favorite? Well, my favorite season, it would have to be autumn, the fall. And I think that I would say that most writers or musicians or painters now you can tell me what you think about this because I know you're a great writer. I think that this, the fall is the season where that encourages a person mostly to be most to be reflective and to think about the end of things like I was speaking about before because fall is you, a lot of things are dying in the fall. The leaves are dying and so it makes us think about you know those important matters and helps us as writers then to, to think about important subjects. So that's my that's a whole discussion we could have when we get to the fall if you like. But that's my favorite season. Uh, my, my wife's favorite season, of course, is going to be summer. And my, I, I think my second favorite season would be spring because it's so beautiful and because life is new and gr everything is growing and beautiful. Then we get to summer, like you just said, and you just say summer is here. Summer is here. The days are much warmer and rainbows appear. And I have to be honest, summer is okay. I don't mind summer, okay? But I don't, I could stay indoors during summer surrounded by air conditioning because I am a city girl. That's my perfect summer. And if I could have like a shield around my house protecting me from every bug that came in, I will feel even better. 
So, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I think we're in the minority, Parker. I think we are in the minority. Uh, I don't like the heat either. I live in New York, and the summers can be brutal there. Of course, you know, we what we do in this book, what I do in this book is I show, like we were talking about springtime. Yes, the, the nature of springtime is to have all these growing things and flowers. The nature of summer is to have, you know, I think that the illustration is of the girls surfing on the water. The seasons of life that they correspond to, though, childhood in, and springtime is all about the world being new. Inside, a, it's a magical golden period. Inside the head of a little baby, let's say, it's just like the seventh day of creation. It, it's, everything is new. The universe is new. It, that's the time of wonder. And that's why I use the word uh, sacred in the, in the springtime section. In the youth section, aside from the bugs and all of those unpleasant things, that's really what, what I'm comparing to youth. And youth is all about freedom and first love. And, you know, when we're first introduced to the great loves of our life, like music and books, and it's the awakening of your creative abilities. And you sort of, and you have no real responsibilities yet. You usually no mortgages or children yet. So youth is a time of freedom. And so in this book, what I'm trying to do here is I'm showing the the, the seasons of the year and what characterize them, but hopefully the parents will be able to talk to their children more about the seasons of life that correspond to those seasons of the year. The next part, of course, as we were just talking about, Anthony, is autumn. And you say here, autumn is here, autumn is here, red, golden, brown leaves, and pumpkins appear, kids trick-or-treating, holiday eating, bonfires blazing, the smell is so amazing. And I just know for our listeners listening, you can probably smell it already. <laughs> As you're hearing those words, you can see yourself outside of the bonfire with the kids, marshmallows, pumpkins, Halloween, and all of that. And you were talking about how a lot of artists like the season of fall because it is so pretty. So yeah, you did a great job with this particular scene, Anthony. Thank you very, very much. Yes, it's my favorite scene. And, and you mentioned in our conversation we had the show before the show started that I thought you said something very true, that autumn is, it makes you reflective, not only because things are dying and that, that makes you think about more important things in life, the end of things, including your own end, but because it's so beautiful, it's the combination of the beauty, which we know is the result of these leaves dying. That's the strange thing. And it's that combination of the most beautiful with the most serious that makes autumn such a favorite time of the year for uh, musicians and writers and painters. I think, too, it's the very interesting mix of how beautiful things are when they die. And so I love that. And then, of course, we get to winter. And I tell you, some of the most beautiful things you see are in winter. And with that, I got to read the winter segment here. Now, for our listeners out there, when you're reading the book, there's more to this than what I'm reading. I'm just reading you some quick excerpts so you can see how the book is collated, as well as see how you can have the opportunity to talk to your children about perception, seasons, change, growing, dying even. Lots of things are going on with that. And so winter is here. Winter is here. The days are much shorter and snowflakes appear. Carolels singing, jingle bells ringing, grandkids are skating, hot cocos waiting. And again, you have this thing 
where as you're reading the words, you can imagine it in your head. And for those of us who love hot chocolate, for me, with marshmallows, you can just see yourself holding the cup in your hand. And let's say you're cold and you come out from shoveling the snow or something and you get that cup of hot cocoa and it just warms your hands. It's almost like the best feeling because you were so cold and now you're so warm. And again, This shows just how much things are intertwined with each other, the change and the permanence all wrapped up together. And that's what happens in this story as we see Greenlee is now an old woman. Now, some people would have said, why could you just keep it in summer? Why could you just keep it in in spring? Why does she why does she have to go through it as an adult? And what's the message you want to tell that particular listener out there today? Well, you know, children and adults, but children are really afraid of change. Imagine if you were small and everything looks so big around you. The world is a big and frightening place. And all the experiences that we adults treat as a commonplace are really totally new to children. Going to get a haircut, going to a doctor for a routine checkup or a dentist, first day of school, moving into a new neighborhood, or more serious things like the death of a pet or the death of a grandparent. Any kind of big change is is scary for children. Now, now we know that change is a part of life, but that's become such a cliche. You know, what I'm, what I'm trying to do in this book is make that truth about change being a part of life. I'm making it resonate more with children. I'm trying to give children a vision of, of the fact that change is not something to be feared. And the way I do this is by, by showing this little girl change. She, she, as you said, she greenly goes from being a little girl to an old lady, and, and she does it in 32 pages. Now, that's a huge change. And yet, throughout the whole book, She's quite happy. She's, she's smiling. She's even youthful, even when she's an old woman. And, and one of the things I like to get, I like children to get from that is that while it's normal and okay to be afraid of change, it is possible and, and even likely that good can come out of all the new experiences that they have in life, even the ones that they're scared of. So that's because the main point of the book is that change is not to be uh, something to be petrified of. And so that's why I couldn't keep it in the summer. I also think, too, that adults can be afraid of change, particularly as we get older and as we get toward the latter years of our life. And we want the security, but we also understand that security is fleeting. But what is the same is us, even though we change. And so we can affect how we view the world through our own eyes, because that famous saying is, You can't control everyone else. You can only control yourself. And so I can see this as a message for adults, too, as they're sharing it with their children. I think they'll be full of wonder as they read the book, also reflective. But the adults are going to see Greenlee is growing in a different life than children. And that's the whole point, that you were effective in showing this isn't just a children's book. It's a parent's book, too, because as you're reading this to your child, you're going to realize that. Your Greenlee is growing, and you won't always be able to do this. So what are you going to do with the time that you have with your Greenlee? And so I think that's just a timeless message here. And even the book, it says, it's just a timeless story of faith, fortitude, and gentle joy that people of all ages will love. So what I want to encourage you out there, dear listener, is to go ahead and pick up your copy of Greenlee is Growing, available wherever books are sold. And Anthony, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. If people want to get in contact with you, where can they find you online? 
Well, if they don't mind my long Italian name, uh, I do have a website, www.anthonydestefano.com. And if you Google that, even if you spell the name wrong, I'm sure you'll find me. And there you can find all my books. Uh, I don't sell any books on my website, but you can see all of them there. And, and uh, a little bit more about me and about the, you know, the kinds of books that I've written for adults and children. So thank you so much. This has been, I told you this before, and I really meant it. You are the best interviewer uh, that I've had for, for this book and many other books. I really appreciate how, how seriously you read these books, even though they're ch this is a children's book. And, and you're the person who has gotten it more than practically any other person that I've talked to, even among some of my own publishers. You know? So thank you again for having me. Oh, Anthony, thank you for the kind words. My face is hot, so thank you so much for the kind words. But before I do that, I always want to use this opportunity to encourage our aspiring authors out there whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. So go ahead and encourage them out there today. Yeah, you need to do that now more than ever, especially Christian authors, because, you know, our, we're, we're living in a time when our faith is being challenged by the society, by the world. Things are only going to get worse in that way. And anyone, especially who's a children's book writer, you know, I, I don't want to go into that whole culture war thing. But but yes, people on the other side do tend to believe they can jump over the heads of parents and indoctrinate children with their own beliefs and not our own faith-filled beliefs. So if you've been given that talent, uh, that gift by God to be a writer, and if you especially feel called to write children's books, then it really is an obligation and a duty that you have to use that gift and to develop that gift, because I don't think there's ever been a time in the world when it's more needed than right now. So persevere and go through the obstacles and, and do everything you can to make that a dream a reality. Anthony, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being with me today, and I cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. You will. I've got a book coming out in a few months uh, for adults, so I'll, I'll let you know about that. Thank you very much. Great. And today we were talking to Anthony DeStefano. He is the author of the book Green Lee is Growing. It's a children's book I know you're going to enjoy. As I look at the cover, the cover design is wonderfully depicted. It shows Green Lee under a bridge. Either side of her are depictions of spring and summer. And at the back of the book, we have fall and winter all together. This may be resonating with you, dear writer, because God has given you an opportunity to write. And maybe you didn't do it in your spring or in your summer. Maybe you didn't do it in your fall. But winter is coming. Winter is here. Winter will be leaving. What are you going to do with the gift that God gave you? If you have a children's story in you, what are you waiting for? Go ahead, pick up the pen, and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.